Today's podcast is brought to you by Audible.com. Get a free audiobook download at www.audibletrial.com forward slash swoopsworld. Over 100,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. That's audibletrial, A-U-D-I-B-L-E-T-R-I-A-L.com forward slash swoopsworld. You're listening to the Talk Story Radio Network. Welcome to another edition of Swoops World, right here on the new Talk Story Radio Network. Swoops World, where you get all you need to know about arts, culture, news, and happiness. Our number, if you want to give us a call tonight, is 562-912-3444. You can always email us at swoopsworld at gmail.com, like us on Facebook, and follow us on Twitter. Once again, if you want to give us a call, that number is 562-912-3444. Now just sit back and enjoy Another edition of Swoops World on the new Talk Story Radio Network. Welcome to another edition of Swoops World Late Night. It is Wednesday, November 2nd, 2016. Looking forward to a big night. We're going to have uh, two wonderful guests. Uh, happy to have back on the show is going to be Andrew Peterson. He's the author, and we've had him on before, and he writes those wonderful series on the Nathan McBride. And uh, <laughs> I always enjoy having a chance to talk to him and, uh, and, and enjoyed uh, so much about his books. And he's got a new one out, and we're going to be talking about that. And following Andrew, you know, we're going to have uh, Anthony Davis as our guest. So, <clears throat> excuse me, we're going to have a good, good night, an exciting night, and uh, we're going to get right into it and get re- started right this second. And I'd like to welcome back to our show a great author, one that I thoroughly enjoy, and and happy that he came back again with his new book, Right to Kill. Uh, author Andrew Peterson, how you doing, Andy? I'm very good, Swoop, and thank you again for having me on your show. Oh, it's a pleasure. It's 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 always a pleasure. And uh, you know, as as I said last time, you know, we 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 invite guests on, and we love we love having our guests on. And but, uh, you know what? I'm I'm a true fan of your work, and uh, the ability to have you on and come on and talk about it is very special for us, and we really truly appreciate it. Oh well, thank you again. It's uh, you're a very easy host to talk to. You make it easy. So. <laughs> well, you came out uh, uh, right to kill. Uh, this is book number six of the uh, Nathan McBride series, and uh, from you know from the first page to the last page, it, it keeps you it keeps you guessing, keeps you in suspense. And once again, uh, I have to ask, how how do you do it? How do you crank these out? Well, it's it's uh, it's not actually easy for me. Some authors really are able to just uh, you know sit at their uh, computers and crank out several thousand words in a sitting. But for me, I I, I take I'm a little slower, so I I like to be kind of methodical about it. Uh, I have this idea in my head, and it's uh, the the novels always start with an inciting incident, like something happens which triggers a whole series of events, and then it's a matter of our thriller heroes uh, going you know and solving each problem as they encounter them through the story. It's it's it, it it goes along. Uh, I like the fact that 
obviously you you do your homework um the detail in the book uh you know there's things uh that you know that a lot of people just don't know i've had the ability to to work in the assignments where a lot of the techniques here are used and uh, i've actually had the ability to train with some of the uh military folks sometimes so i i you know the little the little details the little details like the double clicks on the radio and uh, um mm-hmm. you know just uh, there's so many so many things i can't even list them all but the, you you really take the time to get the vernacular correct uh the 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 procedurals correct i i have to imagine that it, it, you do a lot of research and a lot more than just writing the story coming up with the plot uh character development goes into this yeah, it's, it is. It, there, there is a lot of research, and it's interesting you mention research because a lot of people ask me about it. And I think what I like to do is, if I consider a, a ball of research, if you want to look at it that way, I, I use about 10% of it. I try to pick the very best parts of it and leave about 90% of it out because it's it, the books can get kind of over-technical, I think, Yeah. especially when it comes to high-powered rifles and, and weapons and that sort of thing. And, and, and books on sniping and snipers exist. So if you want a textbook on that kind of thing, you can go out and get it. So I have to be careful I don't cross the line between over-describing certain elements of, of these things and you know under-describing them to where people don't know what's going on. So what I try to do is find a good balance. I have some resources I can use. I, I know the uh, former director of the um, the former SAC uh, special agent in charge of the Los Angeles ATF field division. He's very helpful. He's a great guy, John Torres. And then I have the Marine Corps League. Uh, they've adopted Carl and I. My wife and I were associate members down in San Luis Obispo County, Detachment 680. So if I have questions about you know the Marine Corps and those kind of things, they're really more than willing to help me. So I, I have a, a tremendous pool of people I can call on to help me get some realism. And, and, and having said all that, uh, Swoop, I still get things wrong. I, I'm amazed. <laughs> I, will get an, I will get an email from somebody. Do you realize, young man, that you have got this? <laughs> I just write them back and <laughs> I just write them back and thank them and say I'll fix it. And you know, I just I move on. It's but it, it's a, it's an interesting process. That's for sure. Well, you know that that uh, I'm sure that happens occasionally. But uh, as as a as a fan of uh, of this as a genre, uh, let me just tell you, you get it wrong a lot less than others. So be proud. Well, well thank you. <laughs> I, no, I always worry because you know once it's out there, it's kind of out there. You can fix the electronic editions, but the print editions those are those are forever. Yeah. You know? So you try to. You, know, you try to get it right the first time, but it's really, really hard. Of course, the old classics, you know, are 100% perfect because they've been reprinted so many times. But, you know, a novel like this has 85,000 words in it. And, and it's so if you get just one of them wrong, uh, people notice. It's really an amazing deal. Um, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know what they do. I mean, they just must be much better readers than I I just look. I don't see it. I just don't. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's interesting because you know it is a, it is a it is a series. Uh, you know, you have you have a lot mm-hmm. of you know same characters, uh, um, same main characters, and other people uh, come in and out. And uh, it's interesting your author's note because um, you know people. I, I I often wondered about that, and it's mentioned about how people were writing saying we don't you don't have to go into his his detail each time, but you know it's it. it it, it does have to be done. I mean, I, uh, I think the first book I read of yours was Out of Order, um, mm-hmm. and that happens in a lot of series. I, and I'll discover 
I'll discover a book or discover a series, and I, I grab the one that I see and read the back of or whatever and, and read it and then decide, oh, I love this. I'm going to go back and see what else is there, and then you go back to the beginning. But the background uh, does need to be touched on uh, in each book, doesn't it? I think it does. Each, each Nathan McBride novel is, of course, freestanding. You can read it by itself without having read the others. I think there's a definite advantage to starting from the beginning, but it's not absolutely necessary. And like I said in my author's note, I, I, I got this very nice note from this uh, reader of mine who's been loyal for a long time. And he goes, you know, you, you really don't have to describe Nathan's horrible, tortured psyche, you know, that he went through, you know, and, and all the stuff that he went through. And I don't do it in, in tremendous detail, but I do kind of have to touch on it. So I, I, I wrote her back and said, thank you. But when I, I think after I explained that this, that this is a series and each novel has to, you know, give us a kind of a visual and mental picture of who Nathan is, I think she, she got it after that. I don't think she really thought about it. You know what I, what I, well, the interesting part about that, and then we'll, we'll kind of go more in a little bit detail about this novel, but the interesting part about that, I noticed that when you do do that, it's not a repeat of, um, the last mm-hmm. time you talked about it, it's 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 it covers the same period of time, the same incident, but uh, it's, you know different thoughts, a different time, uh, mm-hmm. with you know a different time period within those days he was captured or whatnot. Um, so I think that's uh, it's not a repeat. It's it is it is a refresher for those of us who've read all of them. But I think somebody who's stepping in new, they get a good background on them. Well, thank you. Yeah, it's something that I'm conscious of when I do write that material. I, I don't want to just do a cook, you know, a cookie cutter cut and paste from a previous book. Yeah. So the challenge is how do you reintroduce the character in a, in a new and an exciting way that isn't going to totally discourage all the, you know, the veterans of the series, but yet, you know, make it clear enough uh, for people that are new. But thank you. I appreciate you noticing that. I, I, work, I work hard on that particular aspect of the novels. Oh, absolutely. Um... In this one, we have a we have a new uh, we have Linda Ginnikin, and I I have to admit I'm going to have to get into one of these auctions or contests so I can get my name as a character in one of the future books. <laughs> oh, you'd be great. <laughs> well, you've got you've got a very rich history with the police, so I mean you you'd be a great character. I, I, I think it'd be great. Um, I had to ask Linda how her name was pronounced because I'd never seen that name before, but it's it's actually pronounced Ginnikin. Ginnikin, like, okay. Ginnikin, yeah. So. I got onto. I actually went onto YouTube and tried to find some sort of a pronunciation of it, and I actually did find it. So, but then she wrote back and sent me an, an audio file on it. But you know, Dick Hill had to have that information for his reading when he did the audio book. So he wrote me very early on and said, "Well, how do you pronounce this name?" <laughs> <laughs> and Linda's great. She's actually, you know, Linda uh, Jenikin is actually based on a real character, and that's what was very interesting about it. So I sent her uh, some books, and she's off to the races on it as well. Nice. What I like, uh, as far as, you know, I've told you, I I always enjoy your characters, but one thing that sticks out to me is everybody pretty much is, is solid, whether they're, whether they're on the good side or the bad side, you have, you have strong, strong, um, men characters, strong women characters, uh, uh, you know, every woman that, uh, plays a part in the book is, is always, uh, top-notch well i mean if you talk about holly or you talk about lindy you talk about cantrell any one of them is top of their game and a lot of times yeah in, i think in, in, in this yeah genre, that's important I yeah, think, yeah. I, I think a lot of times in this genre uh, the women kind of get left out sometimes uh, you know or, or sec- get put back in a second tier position 
Yeah, I think my readers would not tolerate that. I, I, I would be, I'm almost 100% certain I would hear from them saying, you know, you made her kind of cliched and she's a crying mess and blah, blah, blah. No, can't do that. These women are professionals and they're tough and um, they're, they're just, uh, they're very dedicated to what they do. And, and I admire that. I really do. I mean, they're, they're all over. I mean, the, the ACF has lots of women. Some of them go undercover. I cannot imagine what it would be like to be a woman undercover in a biker gang. <laughs> it's, it's unbelievable. I mean, I, I don't know how. I can't even imagine it. So, I mean, they're, they're truly amazing, uh, dedicated uh, public servants, in my opinion. And I, I have a feeling there that, uh, based on your acknowledgments, uh, uh, Carla would have something to say if you didn't make them up to snuff it also, right? <laughs> yeah, she, yes, my wife keeps me very honest. Uh, she, doesn't, she doesn't read through. And, yeah, I, I was, um, I think, in the original write-through of this manuscript, I had uh, Linda uh, breaking down in tears just a few too many times. I said, no, she can't. She's got to hold it together. So. I, t- I took most of them out. I think I think it went one or twice. Or so, but I mean, anybody. I mean, even a man would would be broken down by some of the stuff that happens. So it, I don't think it's unreasonable for that kind of emotion. But you just don't want to overdo it. It's you know, people are people. They have feelings. But you know, I've never been in some of these situations. I write about. <laughs> I can't really say how I would act. I might break down and cry myself. I think I think a lot of people would. But you know, here's here's a, another interesting note that I, I really enjoy um, the fact that um, Nathan and Harve, uh, no matter what they have to do, uh, each each one is is thought out. I mean, if they you know, there's a part in here, and he says, I, I killed X number of people today. But, you know, then, then, you know, he has an opportunity, you know, when you, I say opportunity based on, uh, you know, the, a lot of things we see, to kill others, and he doesn't because he doesn't, you know, he's got a moral, he's got a moral compass. And, uh, mm-hmm. and, you, know, he, and you know, and then, you, you know, he does some things for, for some, uh, some young people in, in the book and stuff like that. And I, and I really think that's, that really plays a part in, in these characters and, and what you've done with these characters because, they, no matter what they have to do, you know, it's a right time and there's a wrong time, and they and they pretty much draw the line. Yeah, that's true. I mean, if we look back on their past, Nathan and Harv, they were a, a scout sniper team in the Marine Corps, and then they went on to become a covert ops team in the CIA, and their job was to kill people. Yeah. And they were very, very good at it. And that's hard to imagine, you know, being proud of your work when that's what you're doing. But somebody has to do it, uh, Swoop. You know, I mean, it's not, you know, somebody has to take out the garbage, so <laughs> you know. And they were just very good at it. So they don't like doing it, but they understand that it's kind of a necessary evil. Their world is big. They understand that true evil does exist in the world, and you got to go after it. But they don't feel good about it. And when you think about a James Bond movie, not to pick on the, the uh, franchise, but how bad does James Bond feel about killing anybody? When you think about it, it's almost... Um, He's killed so many people in all these movies that I don't really think it means much anymore. Some of them, right. and that's part of the that's part of the that's part of the spiel. People expect to know that, but Nathan and Harv, they're a little bit different in the sense that they they honestly it hurts them. I, I don't think they enjoy. The, as a matter of fact, I can say they know they don't enjoy that particular aspect of what they've got to do at times. So if they can if they can shoot somebody and not kill them if it's not absolutely necessary, sure that's the route they'll take. And I think it should be the route that they that they they should take because it's really Anything else, what I think would cheapen them as people. Absolutely. If life was very cheap, yeah, if life was cheap to them, it wouldn't, it just wouldn't resonate with my readers, I don't think. I agree. 
<clears throat> this this one starts off, uh, you know, uh, uh, with a break in at a, at a house. Um, you know, this plot, um, this one pretty much stays completely in the U.S., although it has, uh, you know, t ties to elsewhere. And uh, mm -hmm. I know I know a few of them have, but um, what what led to this one? I mean, how did you how did you uh, come up with this storyline? Well, I I wanted to bring somebody back from their past and put that person in, in jeopardy. And, and then, then it would become kind of a, at the same time, um, a, a mystery as to why this person was attacked and why they have to solve it. But there's a fine line between mystery and thriller. Some, you know, both books have elements of, e of each other, but my books tend to be very action driven. So if you have an action driven novel, such as this one, where they're basically proceed, proceeding on from point to point, trying to figure out why Linda Jenikin was targeted for death. Um, then it becomes kind of a mystery as to why it was she, but then the, the, the process of them, how they, how they get after it, how do they find out who it is and, and, and what's behind it is really part of the story unraveling. So there's no real formula for it, uh, Swoop, in such that um, you can't really go to a playbook and say, this is how you do it. Right. I think I do a lot of my reading on instinct. I feel, well, you know, how much action have I given the reader in the last 50 pages? I've got to, you know, tone it down a little bit because you can't keep your foot on the gas pedal, you know, <laughs> the whole time. Or, or people just become numb to it. Right. You know, so there has to be kind of some wind down time. But as far as the story elements go, I think uh, it's, it's one of those chain events, chain of events type thing that the, the inciting event, the home invasion at her house in La Jolla triggers you know all these other events so they're all based on that one uh what i call the triggering event and it's a good and it's a good pace uh you know it, you know the, even the even the you know what leads to the next the next location and, and what leads to the mm -hmm. next location it's got a good twist in there uh you know throughout i and i think um and you know, and you, and I know I think I've said this to you before. You know, you explain you know these shootouts, and and the timing of how you know how long it this actual this actual shootout has has taken place, or how many minutes has gone mm -hmm. on between this and that. And it's so much more true to fact than a lot of times when uh, you know I've read certain things, and you know it seems like it goes on all day. And you know, really, this is a, a two, five, seven minute you know, operation going on in here and, you know, sometimes a lot shorter than that. And I think you, even though it, that's the length of time and you, and you articulate that, you, you describe it so well with the, the surroundings and, and some of the, some of the, uh, the turns of phrases that you use, I think it keeps the reader. I know it does me, uh, just wanting to turn the next page. Just getting, I'm, I'm, I'm going to this page. I'm going to the next page. And, you know, I pretty much didn't put it down. And, uh, and that's kind of, it's kind of, <laughs> well, it's a blessing and, 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 and a lot of, and a lot of problems in other ways sometimes, because, you know, I do have other things to do sometimes. But... <laughs> well, I, I, I love the email I get from the occasional reader that says, you cost me a night of sleep and now I'm tired at work. And, oh, good, good. You know, I did my job. Um, you you yeah, def definitely you know, do. What I do and what I do in my action scenes is I, I change POV, which is point of view. And so when you do that, you have to tie everything together. So when I switch from Nathan to Harv and then to Jenikin, I need to make sure that the reader understands at what point in time we're switching. So I may go back uh, 15 seconds in a, in, a, in a fight scene and retell that 15 seconds from Harv's point of view mm -hmm. so the reader gets grounded. Where are we in this scene? So when you're switching back and forth like that, you have to be careful that you don't confuse the reader. 
And so it, it's just a matter of, of keeping track of, you know, of the timeline. So I have this little line I draw and then I say, this happens at this point and this at this point and this at this point. So if I back up, I know exactly what's going to happen, you know, next. Right. I hope that makes sense. Oh, absolutely. And, and, okay. and I, I'll tell you where, for me, um, I noticed it throughout, but where it was really um, just, just as you described uh, completely was uh, the, in the entire Santa Monica um uh, Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. The, uh, the, uh, the exotic car. Yeah. Yeah. That, that was a, that was a fun scene to write. Actually, it was, it was a lot of work and a lot of coordination, but that was a, that I had fun with that particular scene. It was, uh, um, I thought what would be different? What is it? What is, what is a scene where we have a shootout like that would be different from anything I've written before. And I think that fit the bill. So it, uh, it really, it gives it an, an idea of, you know, how complex it is to, you know, to get after the bad guys when you don't really know much about them. And it's, you know, if you, it's like, I've always amazed as you as a police officer can relate to this. When you have to enter a house, you don't know the layout of that house. No. There could be, be bad guys behind every door or, you know, you have under the bed. You never, yeah, it's a, it's a very, it's a, it's an amazing deal. You, you folks are really well trained. Well, thanks. I, I, I really did, uh, you know, there's, there's some time I was reading the part and, uh, oh, I think Nathan is, uh, he's huddled up in a, in a, in a closet and the guy's trying to open the door and he's got his foot there. Oh yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I, you know, I, one of the things I really enjoy about uh, your books and, and, and a lot of people do it, but I, I think the people who do it really, really well, um, I really admire is the ability to, when I'm reading, I really see everything, and and I know that when you know you go to a movie and it's it's not the way you envisioned it, but I think you you paint such a such a wonderful picture uh, for my mm-hmm. mind to to kind of know I know exactly where he's at. I I can smell the you know the ammonia and whatever you know this and that, and, I, and you get a really good feel. I think you'd really describe things in such a way that the reader really is is totally uh, totally committed. Well, thank you. I, I, that's very, very high praise. It's, it's, it's something that I work really hard to, to accomplish. It doesn't, uh, it doesn't just come naturally. It's something um, that you, as an author, you learn to do it. It's, so it's, it's like if you take a set of golf clubs and go on the golf course, you are not going to par the, uh, the course the first time you go golfing. It's just not going to happen. But you learn, you get better. You know, each time you write, you learn a little bit more. And that's why I, I still attend conferences because I'm constantly learning. Uh, Swoop, I want to I want to keep improving as an author and delivering a, a good product to my readers. Yeah. Now this was six, uh, and, I, and I know you you're already into seven. Um, that, do you do you do you finish one and start the other? Or are you working on multiple books at the same time? I can do a little bit of both. I I, I don't really get too headlong into the next story until I've finished with the, at least the proof edits, the copy edits of the previous book, because, <clears throat> excuse me, it's one of those things that I, to, in order to, to dive into a new book, I have to be 100% committed to it and, and be, you know, know that the other one is behind me. So it's generally somewhere between three months after I finish the last sentence of the um, previous book that I start diving into the new one mm-hmm. and by that three month period I usually have the, the copy edits done the proof edits and the line edits and and 
then we finally have the typeset edit. So there's all these processes that goes through. And, and speaking of these, it's still amazing that an error gets through every once in a while. I don't know how it happens. It's amazing. But every once in a while, a little typo slips through the process. And people find it. They find it. Oh, uh, yes. <laughs> I, you know, I, I lovingly call them the grammar Nazis because if you, if you they, they call you on it. <laughs> Well, let, you, know, you should tell them I put that in there to make sure you're actually reading. <laughs> yes, yes. I mean, that's exactly right. I put, I put an error in there just to see if you're paying attention. So, oh, so good. So I, I would say the answer to your question is um, I kind of start working on the outline of, of the next book, but I don't really dive into full manuscript writing until I'm fairly finished with the previous one. I'd say at the 90, 95% mark. Oh, wow. We, we we briefly spoke before the show, and we talked about somebody that we both admire, and you kind of mentioned him here a second ago, is, is Dick Hill, uh, who, mm -hmm. who's, your, who's your reader on your audio books. And, and I, I found it interesting that you had mentioned, I don't know if it's, the, I believe it's the acknowledgments, that you actually, when you're writing at times, you think, you know, would, would Dick Hill sound good, you know, saying this, or would this, you know, come across well? And you've actually made changes. That just That's an, a, te a testament to how good he actually is, isn't it? It really is. Uh, Dick Hill has become a good friend over the years that he's been reading these books, and he has a certain cadence to his voice um, that I have come to know, and I'm very familiar with it. And people, when they read books, or at least the vast majority of people, they speak the words silently in their heads. They're not speed reading, like they're not, uh, you know. And so knowing that and knowing that people are reading these words out loud, you know, loud in their head, makes a certain style or technique that I want to, I want to include. So that, in other words, I guess the best way to describe it is when you're watching a really great movie, you don't notice the directing. Like right. if you look at Silence of the Lambs, a fabulous movie, you don't notice the scene changes, the camera angles, the sound, all of that stuff just is seamless. You don't notice any of it. So when you're reading a, a, a novel, you really shouldn't notice the writing. It shouldn't jar you out of the story. And it's much the same process when I think about Dick Hill's voice. There's certain words that you just can't use that may look good on paper, but aren't going to look, aren't going to sound good when, when read out, out loud. Right. So, I, I always keep that in mind. And I, and Dick Hill knows, knows this. I mean, he's, he's my guy. So I, I always say that if I don't think it will sound right with Dick Hill reading this, I'm going to edit it until it does. Yeah. That's, that's, that's amazing. And one of the things about Dick is uh, um, he, he does really, give each character their own voice, male, female, mm -hmm. uh, ethnicities, whatever. He gives them their own voice. And I, I hope you always stick with them because I was a few <laughs> series I've read, I've listened to where Dick Hill, uh, read, did a couple books and somebody else did the book. And then, you know, and I'm like, well, that's not it, that character. That's not, <laughs> it doesn't sound right. Yeah. It's just, it's just not the same. I mean, I don't know what else to say. It's just not the same. I mean, Dick Hill is Dick Hill. And so he is the voice of Nathan McBride. It's the same way. If, if, if Jack Reacher were to switch from Dick Hill to somebody else, people would, would not like it. They would, they would, they would find that very unsatisfying. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. I mean, everybody has their critics. I have my critics. There's some people that, that uh, don't like Dick Hill voice but the vast vast majority of them do and so you have to you can never make everybody 100 percent happy that's what i've learned in this business so but he he is by far um uh, his approval rating is way way up there it's like 86 to 90 percent or something that people really love the way he reads these books nice 
And that's that's just amazing. It's it's an amazing testament to him because there's a um, a lot of people you know have have have, looked, have downloaded these audio books and like I say, ninety percent love the way he does it. Yeah, I, I, I don't argue with it. <laughs> yeah, you know, you mentioned you mentioned a couple of things here, uh, and I wonder how you you know when you when you write. I, I say this about anybody who does anything creative, uh, artists, you know. Uh, writers, um, you know, actors, painters, whatever. It's you, you pour your heart and soul into it, and uh, you know how do you deal with critics? Uh, you know, I mean, you get you, there's book reviews, there's people who write you emails and, and things like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, and I, I imagine you know you can, you kind of learn to let things slide, but still we're all human. Uh, how do you, how do you how do you deal with that? Well, there's, I think. I think you just have to realize that you can't make everybody happy. Um, I, I, when I was first reading reviews for first to kill my, the first novel in the series, I had uh, quite a bit more uh, profanity in the book. And it was an early version that was originally published by Dorchester in New York. And then before Amazon picked it up. And I, I, I kept getting the same kind of review from, from people, not more than, you know, not, not less than once. It was a bunch of times. I mean, I got the same review that, you know, they really tone the language down a little bit. So, so they don't really swear as much. And I said, okay, well, that's a valid comment. So I'm seeing it from a lot of people. So on the edit that I went through for the, for the uh, Thomas and Mercer edition, I did that. I removed like 90% of all the profanity because I, I looked at it and I go, well, it's really not necessary. Mm-hmm. That resulted in a really good <laughs> positive response from my readers. <laughs> but I got to tell you, you won't believe this. I got one lady that wrote me and says, I've been, I'm a New York accountant. I swear more than these guys do. Make them more realistic. I think you got to be kidding. You can't win. You can't win. So I think the bottom line is you have to you have to be confident in that that you're doing the best you can, and not everybody's going to be happy with it. But I think for the series, we're generally got positive uh, reviews, you know, overall on it. So I must be doing something right if the vast majority of people find find it a good story. Um, but but the, the negative reviews, some of them are, are hurt. I think they actually try to inflict emotional pain on you. Um, I had one guy think that the author must be some kind of a psycho with a basement full of guns. <laughs> but, well, I go, well, he's not far off the mark. <laughs> you know, I'm just teasing her. But no, it, it's really, you know, I, I don't know what it is. I think some people that just doesn't resonate with them and they feel like they want to just tell everybody. And when I read a book, if I don't like it, I just don't leave a review. But if I do like it, I will leave a nice review. I'd rather leave no review than rip somebody. And, you know, I, I understand the, the pros and cons of both, but I think um, when you, when you make the reviews personal, that's really when you have to, you know, just set it aside. Right. Well, there's no, there's yeah. nothing constructive of that. I mean, if somebody's got a constructive review and, I might not agree with it, but uh, you know we, we get them on the radio show sometimes. They might not agree with it, but it, it, it makes more sense than somebody who's attacking you personally. At least you kind of go, yeah. well, you know, it might not be for you, but I understand where you're coming from. But the personal attack, it's just, it's, I don't know. Yeah, it's 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 really beyond what a, a reviewer should do. Um, I can take criticism on the story and the delivery and all that, but I, I just. Um... It's just one of those things. I try not to look at it too often, but I, I will check every once in a while just to see if I'm on track. Like again, if I see the same comment over and over again, then I know maybe there's something to it. Right. But uh, that's. I, I think reviews can actually help an author. A lot of authors say they never review, they never look at them, but I think they're lying. I really do. I think it's, <laughs> it's like a train wreck. How do you not look at a train wreck? <laughs> <laughs> I 
I, uh, I, you know, when I was reading the book, I, I saw your dedication in the beginning, and uh, and I said, oh, wow, that's, uh, you know, Andrew lost a friend. And then I read that in the end of the book, and you you uh, you said you, you uh, really it was really touching that you said it's not somebody you know, uh, but you. Uh, you know, you, you appreciate the sacrifice and, and the honor that goes along with it. How did you happen to uh, select uh, uh, um, Charles, Charles Charles Keating as your yeah. uh, dedication? You know, it's hard to say. It could have been my my mood that day, but I was reading a, a story on on my on my on the on the internet, you know, news feed, and I saw this, and then the more I read about that story, the more incredible it became, and I thought, this is a man that needs to be honored. Um, like you say, I don't really know him, but I don't think I need to know him. I, I, I do know him in the sense that he's a warrior, he's a, a Navy SEAL, and he gave his ultimate for this country. Yeah. And those people, I, I sleep well at night because there are many veterans all across this country that don't, and uh, I, I totally get that, and I'm on board with it. So, I mean, to change the subject a little bit, it just really pains me to see all this uh, kneeling during our national anthems. Yeah. You know, with these, I, I just, I don't get it, you know. <laughs> you know, so I, I just don't get it. I, I, I don't feel that way. And I, I feel that there's certain, you know, avenues for protest and certain that may not be. So, but then again, that's just my opinion. Everybody's entitled to their First Amendment. And, but I, I, but honoring Charles Keating was really something I felt I had to do. I can't really explain why. I just felt it was necessary. Well, I I, I just want you to know I I really uh, I found it moving, um, and I agree with you one hundred percent on on on, on the, the things that the these veterans have done for us, and as well as your opinion on the uh, on the whole kneeling thing. Uh, it's kind of kept yeah. me kept me from watching a whole lot of football this year, but uh, that's all right. I have more time for other things. I have more time to read your book. <laughs> yeah, well, you know that's the message we send. Is look, if you if you want to allow your players to, to disrespect the country in that particular way, then I'm not going to watch you. Absolutely. Now, you know, maybe you you, you know that's. I, I totally get that they have the right to do that. I, I even heard that some lady during a Miami Heat game took a knee during the national idol and she was singing it. I, I heard that too. And, yeah. uh, I, you know, not to get too far off base on this, but my, my theory is, is you, you, you do have a right to your first amendment right, but not necessarily in the workplace. And, uh, you know, if, yeah. if you're working, uh, you, need to do, you need to be respectful, and uh, you can do that in your off time. Yeah, I think I think I think there are better ways to to show your displeasure for whatever it is. But uh, I think that's one of the things I like about Nathan is that he's kind of a and he's kind of the the silent type. He really doesn't, you know, show his. You know, I guess he's he's somebody who could be very bitter. Yeah, he has every right really to be. <laughs> yeah, but he he doesn't. He's yeah. very you know he's very very calm and collect about what happened to him, and so he's. I think he's very admirable in that trait that he's very loyal still and feels as if uh, no, the world does not owe Nathan McBride anything. Nobody right. owes him anything. Right. He's moved on and, and he's grateful for the things that he has, not envious of things that he doesn't have. Exactly. Exactly. You, you articulate so well the, the, the torment he goes through, the nightmares he has. Um, you know, it, it's, it's so... <laughs> truly believable and you, you you feel for him when you when you read these stories um once again is this is this research or, or just kind of some things you just kind of thought about 
Well, I think, you know, I, I was not in the service. I will say that for, for, for everybody to know. I did not serve in the U.S. military. I look at them as my absolute heroes. They are. I don't look at ball players or musicians or actors as my heroes. My heroes are veterans and police and first responders and federal agents that, you know, keep us all safe. Now, having said that, I think that there's certain elements of a hero that, that everybody kind of feels are universal. That is the willingness to make a sacrifice on somebody else's behalf with, with no expectation of getting anything in return, but just knowing you did your, your duty. Yeah, but I mean, his... It's, it's still, I mean, I guess it's post, post-traumatic stress that uh, he, he suffers through at night at some times, or, or just residual from that. And uh, yeah, he, he, he accepts that. But I, the, way, the way you uh, portray it is just, I mean, it, it really moves me. Every time I read it, I, I just, I feel for him. Well, thank you. I, I can't say that it's based on any research per se, uh, Swoop. It's really more something that I dreamed up. In other words, how can I make this character unique in a way that people can relate to, but not go over the top on it? Um, uh, John McCain, say what you will about him, he went through a very, very rough time. Um, He was in the Hanoi Hilton, as you know, for quite a while, and endured, and went on to become a United States Senator. So, I mean, people can overcome these things, but it's not easy. And it's, it's just one of those things that he doesn't blame anybody. And again, he doesn't feel like the world owes him anything. He just feels like I'm, I'm, I'm doing the best I can, and I'm going to try to be the best person I can. The one, the I think what I think the reason it, it really moves me so much is uh, years and years ago when I was, I don't know, high school or something. I, I, I visited some friends, and they were telling me about their dad who had done. Uh, who had volunteered for three tours in Vietnam. He'd, he'd done two tours mm-hmm. uh, with one branch of the service, and then he, he, he volunteered to go back, and he says, now that two tours your limit, so he, he termed out and, and then joined the Marine Corps and went back. And, uh, wow. And uh, he seemed he was such a jovial guy that I, you know, I met and stuff like that, but his kid said, you know, you don't go in and wake him up at night or, or, or at all when he's asleep. They say, you know, we stand at the doorway, we, we, we you kind of yell, <laughs> yell his name out or throw pillows That's at right. him because if you go and shake him, you're going to end up being choked out or something, you know, because and, and that's kind of kind of the, the, the same story you paint with Nathan. And, and, and so it's, I guess that's why it seems so true to me, because that's the, a story that I heard 30 years ago, 40 years ago, you know. Yeah, it's funny that uh, Nathan and Harv have kind of an interesting relationship. They can joke with each other. And, um, you know, I think in one of the books, I think Nate, Harvey asked Nathan, well, how are you feeling? How are you feeling these days? And Nathan replies, well, you still have to wake me up with a 10-foot pole. <laughs> you know? so, does that answer it for you? Exactly. <laughs> you know? So, it's, yeah, but they, they know. They understand each other very well. They're They're relationship they have is very special um harv is is by no means a sidekick in the stories he's an integral part of all these novels and it's really fun writing him a lot of people i would say yeah maybe a good 25 to 30 percent actually like harv as the main character um, oh wow and may even yeah they 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 want him to have his own story and i i may give him give him one someday um you know maybe nathan would play a smaller role and harv would be the main character that would be interesting it would be, and you know they they uh, 
the the relationship they have is 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 very special and um and mm-hmm. you're right there's by no by no means is he uh is he a sidekick i mean uh you know they 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 defer to each other frequently um they have mm-hmm. a lo- lot of mutual respect for each other and uh and a lot of love there i mean it's just, it's just a lot of uh, you know a lot of love and and, and you know the in the things that harv did to uh, you know going back to when they were um over uh, where was that Nicaragua or wherever they were when uh when um, right yeah um you know yeah he went in he went in this, you know, I don't want to give too much away but you know the the, the background sure. the yeah. background is just uh, it's amazing and, and these guys have been together for the, that many years as as uh business partners and friends and and yeah I could see I could easily see how Harv could uh could have his own storyline yeah, well, see, to them, to these two, and to many people like yourself, included, Swoop, and many military and law enforcement officers, the definition of a true friend is somebody that you're willing to take a bullet for. Yeah. If you are willing to, to die for that other person, then maybe you really aren't their friend. <laughs> and and that's, that's hardcore, but that's, you know, that's the way these guys think, and that's the way they are. Um, you know, either one of them would take a bullet for the other, yeah. um, and that's just that's their definition of friendship. Now they have acquaintances. We all have acquaintances, but those deep friendships are are much much more special. Absolutely. Last time we spoke, uh, there's kind of kind of little 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 buzz about a possible uh, movie or screenplay. Or where where are we at in that process? Well, we're still shopping it. Um, I have an agent named John Kassir who sold the rights to The Martian, which is a pretty big sale. He's working uh, at, at CAA down in Los Angeles. And uh, then I've got a co-agent out in New York, um, Scott Miller of Trident Media Group. And they're together, they're working together to try to get some interest from Hollywood on this. And we'll have to see how it goes. You know, you never know. These things can take a long time or they can happen really quickly. I, I think some books take up to six, seven, even ten years to become, you know, films. But uh, it's one of those things I'm patient with. You know, yeah. it's just, just hanging in there, and somebody's got to really love it a lot to spend, you know, two hundred fifty million dollars <laughs> on it. Because I don't think you can get a really high-powered thriller done. <laughs> Justin, you know, Justin Weapons and Ammo Alone. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Right. So it's it's one of those things, if it's meant to happen, it, it will. And I'm, I'm just uh, kind of, uh, right now I'm concentrating on the books and, you know, what will be, will be. I think it's probably the best attitude I could have. Yeah. Well, I'm telling you, I'm loving the books and, and, and just kind of. You know, wherever wherever you take it, it uh, just just all all I all I hope is that it's it's where you want it to be, and, and you get all the sex all the success in the world out of it because it's uh, it's it's just amazing series of books, and it's they're just so well written, and I, I'm just I mean, like I you know I'm done with this one now. I'm like when's when seven coming out? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's really it takes me a it takes me a year to crank these things out, and somebody can read them in a you know twelve hour sitting and. Where's the next one? No, I'm working on. But no, I appreciate you're very, you're very kind, and that's very very nice of you to say those things. I I, I appreciate it, and uh, it means a lot to me, uh, Swoop. It really does. You're 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 a good guy, and if I if I can provide you with some entertainment, then I've done my job. Yeah. Well, you do it well. You do it well, and uh... thank you. You know, I we try I try to cover a lot without giving away too much of the book because I want people to buy it and read it and or, or you know and listen to it and whatnot. Uh, but is there anything that you uh, wanted to wanted to touch on that we haven't touched on uh, tonight? 
Well, this is where people can find me if they wanted to learn more about me. Um, my website is real easy to find. It's www.andrewpeterson.com. And uh, you, you can find links to my social media in there. I've been pretty active on Facebook uh, lately with the launch of Right to Kill. And I, I do some tweets. And But uh, I don't get too calm up in there because i got to write the books. <laughs> Those things can be, man, they can be a black hole. Canada, you could just spend so much time on that. So I really have to just be careful and... But those are, that's the best way to get a hold of me is through my website. And uh, feel, anybody can feel free to email me um, at info at andrewpeterson.com. And I'd love to hear from you, from, from everyone. Nice. Yeah, with the new, with the new release, uh, are you going to be doing any signings anywhere where people can actually come up and meet you? Well, that's the thing with Amazon. Since I'm an exclusive Amazon author, you get these books through uh, you know, the Kindle store. Um, there really isn't that much opportunity. I will be in La Jolla uh, the 11th uh, through the 13th um, this month doing a, a writer's conference down there, the La Jolla Writers Conference. So if anybody's in the La Jolla area and want to come out and, and meet me, they can they can find me there. Any chance of touring uh, Nathan's house? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. That's what they yeah. I know that's that's a, a very my dream fantasy house in architecture. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, that would be cool. Uh, but uh, yeah, so there really aren't really signings, not public signings like at yeah. Barnes and Noble, because all of my all of the purchases for the series are done uh, through the Amazon through website Amazon. and through Audible, Audible.com. Yeah. Excellent. Well, Andrew, uh, I really appreciate you taking the time out of your out of your day to to to, to join us here on the show, and and thank you for another wonderful book. And and uh, God, I, I just loved it. And and like I encourage I encourage anybody, even if you have this is your first of hearing about Andrew Peterson or Nathan McBride, you, Right to Kill is is a good read, and I think I'm sure you'll enjoy it. And when you read that, you're going to want to read the rest. And I, I want to thank you for joining us tonight, and hope to hope to chat with you again soon. Thank you, Swoop, and uh, God bless you. Absolutely. You too, man. I appreciate it. Okay. All right. Bye now. Bye-bye. Andrew Peterson, everybody. Definitely uh, take a look uh, and check him out. You can find him on, uh, like you said, Amazon or Audible.com, and uh, he's on Facebook and uh, Twitter and all that kind of good stuff, and go to his website, andrewpeterson.com, and check him out, and uh, I'm sure you'll enjoy uh, following him and and, and getting into his uh, series of books there and, and look forward to the next one that comes out. We're going to take a quick break. Coming up uh, in about five minutes, we have Anthony Davis, the USC great, joining us, and we chat with him for a little bit. You're listening to Swoops World on the Talk Story Radio Network, sponsored by HealthyNewDay.com, and we'll be back after, uh, who do we want to listen to? This is Bill Griziola, Blue Cafe. Set a foot in the blue cafe. I'm never down on my luck. And all my scrapes know the law. I've never got to stuck. Yellow taxi, take me away. Don't let
spend much time at the pool cafe. I'm not a regular guy. Tending bar is my art. You don't hold the key to my love anymore. I have given away my heart. And a taxi, take me away. Don't let the meter run too long. And now we have an eight-year-old on the line. Welcome to Our World Today. What's your question? Our continents make up 29% of the Earth's surface, meaning that 71% is comprised of water. Man automatically adapts to environmental conditions. So why do I need to take swimming lessons? Are you ready for kids who eat healthy? Good nutrition can lead to great things. To find out how a healthy lifestyle can help your child succeed, go to mypyramid.gov. Brought to you by the Ad Council and USDA. For a little ride. Now you can share the topics that drive the discussions of your favorite talk shows with TalkStream Live's topic-driven talk radio. We gotta talk. Let's take a drive. List and promote real-time talk radio topics, or post the topics that you want to hear. 
Hot topics are tweeted and retweeted and include simple click-to-listen audio links. The future of talk radio is topic-driven talk radio. That's what I call real drive. Available now at TalkStreamLive.com. Talk Story Radio. Hi, this is Kelly Z. And Casey Regan. We're from Music You Can See and AmeriBlues.com and Kelly's Live. We are swooping it at Swoops World. And welcome back to Swoops World on the Talk Story Radio Network. And uh, before we get AD on the line, I want to let you know that our good friend Raspin Stewart will be playing live in Long Beach uh, November 12th, Saturday, November 12th, at Viento y Agua. And uh, that's from 8 p.m. to, I think it's like 8 to 9 p.m. And he's doing one set there with uh, Chris Volak, another past guest on the show. So if you're in the Long Beach area on November 12th, Head on down to Viento Iagua and check out Raspin and and, and and enjoy his great music and uh, I know the I know the people over at the uh, at Viento Iagua and they got some great uh, coffee and uh, drinks and uh, snacks and sandwiches and whatnot so go there and enjoy I'm sure it'll be a good time we're gonna get our good friend Anthony Davis on the line here. Good evening. We'd like to welcome back to the show our good friend and colleague, Anthony Davis, out of USC. He's a five-time national champion, two-time All-American, played in the NFL and the CFL and the USFL. Welcome back to the show, brother. Well, I'm good. I played everywhere. You you did, man. <laughs> I played everywhere. I mean, that's not a proud, in my, in my opinion, that's not really a proud resume, but it is what it is, but... Uh... It, like, you know. it, it's a it's a resume that a lot of other people don't have that would love to have it. So very. I've been I've been I've been watching uh you know on uh, on the NFL Network. I watched the show Undrafted, and uh, you know it's 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 not an easy road to get to the NFL. And and you watch these guys, uh, you know they they some of these guys don't even make the you know they don't they don't get you know they go undrafted. They don't make they don't make the cut. And you got some guys that actually make. Uh, make the first cut and, and then they don't make the final cut and, and some guys who never, never get that far. So, Hey, it's, it's, it's something to be admired, brother. Well, thank you. I mean, I didn't have those issues. I mean, I was definitely in the league if I wanted to go in the league cause I was a top pick and, and stuff like that. So, you know, <clears throat> I should feel very fortunate that I was able to be in the league regardless of what my travels were. But, you know, I think I was one of the blessed athletes to be able to get drafted in both sports professionally. So I guess I, I guess that's making a statement, but I just feel I should have done better. Yeah. Well, you know, uh, you know, people that uh, that are uh, elite athletes or, 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 you know, whatever elite in their in their profession, uh, you have that kind of drive and you and you kind of you kind of always want uh, want to do better and, and feel you can do better and, and go go further and, and you, you definitely had that had have the potential to do that and um, but I, I think uh, you know you got that a personality man I, you, you're, you're probably the same way in the in the real estate you're probably the same way in checkers in the same way <laughs> no matter what you're doing well definitely I mean I, I do take the same uh, work ethic that I did in sports put it in business and that's worked for me as well I just have to incorporate what I did on the field into the business so. Uh, it's not totally the way 
sports was, but I I I use this uh, mentality and work ethic the same way in business. You know, it, it, this, that brings a, a, an interesting point. You know, uh, you know, we've talked about guys who left it left it on the table, but uh, realistically, uh, you know, people like yourself. Uh, how do you keep that drive all those years <clears throat> in and out of sports? I mean, you, you read stories about guys who, who leave, leave sports and go on to, you know, continue to do great things and, and continue to be, uh, whether it's, you know, uh, helping out in the community or, 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 you know, building foundations or going on a speaking circuit or building, building uh, companies and stuff like, stuff like that. There's that certain amount of uh, drive that a, a lot of people have that compete at that level. Um, and how do you maintain it for so many years, even after after the uh, you hang up the cleats? Well, you know, let me say this: some some have the drive, some don't, or some have the drive and are frustrated, don't not incorporate what they did on the field or baseball field, basketball court into that. I was able to to do it. It, it, it took a while to incorporate everything that I learned on the field into business, but but once you keep, catch that fire back home. <clears throat> It's just a drip. It's, it's within you. It just you know you 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 were you were, you were raised that when, when when you're indoctrinated to play sports from a child to adult, you know, it just it, it's a rage inside of you. So once you find the handle on something that you know that you can do, then that's when everything kicks in. Now I can't speak for other the other guys who for some reason don't have the burning desire, but a lot of guys do, and they do they do real well. Yeah. And you hear some of the stories where some guys just have no drive for some reason. They either get sidetracked either by habits of drugs, drinking, uh, breakups in marriage, uh, to get derailed with, with stuff like that uh, and don't know how to pick up the pieces and go with it. You have different obstacles why guys don't do it versus other guys who do do it. Yeah. But all of them have drive, but some some of them get derailed due to certain things off the, out of the game. And some of, that, some of those things that, that pushed them out of the game is was, was – which make them struggle off the field. Right. I know guys have had broken marriages that affected their career, had relations affected their career, they had poor management that affected their career, stuff like that. You know, uh, some guys have gotten injured, affected their career and drive. So there's a lot of obstacles, you know, that they have to go over. But a lot of the guys who can overcome those negatives and turn keep them positive, those are the ones that really have the burning desire. Yeah. Well, let's 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 jump into some of this NFL stuff. Uh, let's start with Cam Newton. Uh, he, he met with the uh, commissioner. Uh, he claims he you know gets a lot of a lot of hits that don't get called on him. Uh, the, the the one that uh, they made a big deal about um, this week, the, the one I saw, I, I don't know, man. It looks like the guy the guy was uh, being blocked. Landed near his feet. He was still up. He grabbed his foot, and uh, he eventually got knocked down and kind of bent backwards. I mean, I just—I mean, if he doesn't grab the guy's foot, he can actually run away. So I, I, I'm sure there's other instances that they they can be focusing on. But the one I keep seeing, I don't—I don't see what the problem is. Well, first of all, you know he's—you know—he's a, he's a big time star. He's a target. I mean, he—he he put emphasis on doing his little dabbing and whatever. I mean, he is a personality. He is a big name in sport. He is an entertainer as well as an athlete. This way, these are that's what it is today, and uh, a lot of he is a target. Are people over jealous? Uh, jealous on hitting him? Well, somewhat, but uh, 
but but the, but the fact is that you know it's a physical game, and, and a lot of things deceiving. You know, are they really after him? I think some guys might want to put a little bit to him, but I don't really think that they want to jeopardize their team and get an unnecessary penalties that can cost them a game. Right? No, I don't think they're really doing that. But what they do it, and I just think the tackling is out of control anyway. A lot of these guys are target for ball players, and they end up hitting their own ball players and, and injuring their own. I've seen many players this year on, on all levels get hit, and they hit their own guys and, and knock their own guys out because they, they, their uncontrolled tackling fundamentally is off. And that's why these guys are getting hurt now the way they are. I mean, don't get me wrong. He, he was very physical when I played both levels. But still, these guys are out of control in terms of the way they hit. They're out of control in them. They, they, they get they, instead of targeting the ball player, they target an area, right? And they go, and that's where they get out of trouble, get in trouble. And they shouldn't do that. They got to have their head up and eyes and know what they hit that area. Instead of going to the head area, which they're going to, they're, they're trying to outlaw that anyway, uh, because of the concussion situation. Uh, it, 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 it's just a tough thing to really monitor now, you know. Uh, frankly, you know, if you're going to do that, you might as well say, you know, if you hit. Don't hit anywhere near the head. It's bad enough when you're getting jarred without even getting hit in the head. And then when you get slammed to the ground, your head bounces off it. That's a concussion. That's what happened to Carson Palmer. You know, and that's what happens to a lot of guys. Right. So uh, if, if, if you're just not going to use outlaw, you can't hit at the head, period, that's it. And I don't know how you can control that, but, you know, I think you can, you can do it. A disciplined ball player can just go for the body and that's it. One of the, <clears throat> one of the questions I have, and, and you know, like you said, I mean, come on, football, I understand the safety aspect. I understand what the league's trying to do uh, with, with protecting players and whatnot. But I, I kind of get in the, I'm kind of getting this feeling now that quarterbacks can't be touched. Uh, you know, you can't, you know, you, why don't they put flags on them? You pull the flag or you touch them. I mean, a two, two-hand touch. Uh, you know, it, it's, it's almost like you cannot uh, even uh, uh, touch a quarterback anymore. Well, that's where the game's going. And the reason they're going to that is because of the concussion situation. I mean, you know, it, it seems like the, uh, the the quarterback is getting more of a break because they are the head of the snake, and everybody else is still out there still making these crazy collisions, running backs, linebackers, you know, and they, they're the sacrificial lambs of the game. I mean, now, obviously the game ain't the same because they, they're overprotective of the quarterback position, and key stars like Tom Brady was Peyton Manning, Eli Manning, and all the, the top names, Cam Newton, uh, they're trying to protect that. you know. But it's not the same game like it used to be. Because if you're on the football field, if you're 11 ball players, everything's fair game. If you yeah. get hit, you get hit. That's just the way it is. But it's not like that today. No, it's not. And I, and I, got, and I got an idea. I want, I, and, and my feeling is because of the concussion thing. The concussion thing is a serious deal. There's, there's no way that the league can get around it because every game somebody has a concussion. Everyone. No weekend goes by where somebody has, doesn't have a concussion or even has some brain trauma. Like I've said before in previous broadcasts we've done, anytime you put that helmet on your head, there's brain trauma. Every weekend, it's a, it's a collision every play. And so uh, there's no way getting around it. There's no way you can soften the game. You can soften the position of quarterback, but you're not going to soften the rest of the game. Right. Everybody's trying to knock you off, and, and you know, and, I, and I'm very, and I, and I, and I really think that the, the retirement of Calvin Johnson and a few other ball players around the league is really, you know, has made the ball players aware that they're getting out of the game. You know, Patrick Willis and the rookie from the San Francisco 49ers, 
I slipped his name. Uh, yeah, I remember that. Th- that, that, that. Yeah, that was a wake up call to the to the league. So, uh, you, you you know you can try to try to upgrade or downgrade the game or whatever, but if you take away too much stuff, it's not it's not football. You know, football is a contact sport. Football is a physical sport. Absolutely. And you know, it, 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 it's it's a thing where you know if you get hurt, next guy up. That's the way it is. It's always been that way. Right. Well, I, and you know, I, yeah, and 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 you're right. I mean, I, 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 it's it's a physical sport. It's contact sport. I, uh, I'm, I'm all for protecting the guys as best can be. But I think when you when you when you you make one position uh, more special over the other one, I understand the quarterback position and stuff like that. But you got guy, you got star receivers going across the middle getting taken out. You got. You know, you got uh, linebackers and, and linemen that are, are having collisions all day long on the line. So, you know, you gotta you gotta expect to get hit, even no matter where you are on the field. Oh well, absolutely. I mean, the, the, the game is the game is very physical. They're trying to protect the players, but you know, the cat's out of the bag. There's no you can stop it. If not, you have to abolish football, and that's not going to happen. Right. I I totally agree, man. Uh, um. A couple guys in in the league or uh, I want to talk about. Let's start with Ezekiel Elliott. And guy is the guy's a baller, but listen, he's got a little off field problem. Well, <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, you you got to address that off the field problem because I never knew about off the field problem. But but I, but I might have heard it in passing. If it's the same thing we're talking about, what what is happening? Some guy, they're 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 looking at him for some kind of domestic uh, domestic issue. Uh, you know, same same kind of stuff we talked about in the past. Uh, I think the league's looking at uh, something with an ex girlfriend or uh, whatnot, and some kind of domestic violence type of thing, and and they're investigating now. And uh, you know, he could be done for the season. He could be, you know, it could be a whole lot of things. Well, I never really heard. I, I heard a little bit, of, a little bit about it, but I thought it was a little something else. But uh, I thought I, th- I heard it was just the opposite. <laughs> but I mean, I mean, I, with, with the girl has been hounding him, but obviously it, it's just reversed. If he's done something like that, and he's fresh in the league like that as a rookie, uh, he got a problem. You need to stop that. If that's true, he needs to to get focused. He needs to go talk to people like Des Bryant has been through his stuff. He needs to go to talk to a lot of different guys because if, if he's got me having an issue like that, and they just had a guy on the team last year that had a problem, and then uh, and I don't know if you want you would be in the same situation he was in. Yeah, I don't know. It says what, what, it, what one of the articles. Uh, God, I hate this nonsense. Um, one of the articles says uh, he could face a lengthy suspicion if the NFL's current investigation finds he has violated the league's domestic abuse policy, according to sources. Blah blah blah. Authorities in Columbus, Ohio, declined to press charges against Elliott following it following an incident there there this summer. Hang on, just a second. I got some nonsense talk. Uh, incident there this summer in which a complaint was filed against Elliott, claiming five instances of domestic abuse. And the NFL's probe into the situation continues. So, um, you know, they're investigating it. Uh, we, we wait and see. Well, what obviously, happens. obviously, law enforcement's involved. If law enforcement's involved, then he might have an issue. So, and if it's a scene, if it's gone to the DA office out of out of Cleveland, out of Ohio, uh, he he better hold his breath. So, uh, because it, it, because it's been a consistent thing. 
into the league. And if it's in the legal system, uh, he might he might have a problem. Or either it could be trumped up or not what it is. But in most cases, if it's a lot of smoke, there's some issues there. So uh, I hope not because he's a great well, player and he, and he he's a key part of what, what happens with this because uh, you know they didn't press charges. And the league is uh, doing their own investigation, so we'll, we'll see where that goes. Well, that's true too, because if the league comes up with their own analysis, then he's gone too. And then, then if the police comes up with their own analysis, that means the league's going to do that plus. But if they find he did something, they're going to do something. But if the, when law enforcement puts their little two cents in it, it's going to be worse. So uh, he, he's doomed one way or the other, and let's just hope it's not that. Because what he's doing for the Cowboys is unbelievable. And I, and I would hate to see him get suspended now because that combination is lethal in the league, leading, leading that Eastern Division by two games. Yeah. Another guy who had, uh, had some problems this week is the Eagles receiver Josh Huff. Uh, got pulled over uh, for speeding and arrested. Said he had a small amount of marijuana and he was carrying a gun, which apparently he's legally allowed to carry in Texas, but he wasn't in... He wasn't in Texas. He was in, uh, I believe he was in New Jersey. But the interesting thing in there is, is his statement. Uh, he says, I'm a professional athlete. What professional athlete doesn't have a gun? What are your thoughts on that? Well, first of all, that's, your, that, that's his second amendment, right? But, I mean, the way you use it. I mean, was he permitted to carry a piece? That's one thing. That's the rationalization. They say, well, everybody has a gun. Okay, fine. I, I, I can... I can give you that. I give you the benefit of the doubt. But are you are you licensed to carry a piece like that? Are you licensed to carry a weapon? Okay, when you know why are you smoking all that weed and you get caught? Why do you get yourself in a vulnerable situation where you can be stopped? See, that's what I don't get. And like I said before, when I played years ago, if you get if you even if you even smelled like it walking through a locker room and don't see, you had a problem. If you smell like it, they pull on you aside. You know, so I mean, you know, even if, even if you didn't get caught. Yeah, this guy's not walking around bags of weed, smoking it, carrying guns, and all this kind of stuff. And, he, and don't be surprised if he doesn't get suspended. And then they can run him out of the league. I mean, has, isn't there been enough examples around the league for for these guys not to, to get it? Yeah. And what are you doing being out late at night anyway, getting stopped? If you want to smoke the weed, go do it behind doors. <laughs> do it behind doors, and, and then you take your chance of getting tested. What are you thinking about? Yeah. Now with this, with this, with these, with these propositions, you know, being passed, which in California with the, the marijuana laws, the recreational use of it, I mean, you know, the ball players in California can use it, but in other states you can't use it. So that's going to be another issue for the league. But but for, for the time being, why you want to get caught in a situation late at night smoking weed with a gun, gun, gun in your car? What are you thinking about? So I don't know what these guys are thinking about. Yeah, we've talked about this in the past. Uh, yeah. You know, you know the drug policy is right now. Why you want to do that? I mean, you know, sure, this our society is going where you know, mar- see, eventually, if marijuana is going to be legal everywhere, and then then the league's got to address it, and and, and all the sports leagues got to address it. See. Now, my understanding, so, you 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 got you have a good point there. My understanding is it's it's when the NBA Players Association negotiated the weed out of their thing way back way back it's never they they can be tested for all sorts of stuff and i'm talking about way back i'm talking about like the 70s and stuff they can be tested for all sorts of stuff but they can't be tested for for weed so uh, they've they've always had a uh, had a pass in the in the the nba but uh nfl is different right well 
Well, the NFL is going is, is, they have a, a, a strict policy now, but I think eventually it's going to be light because the use of it, medical marijuana, and then if these starts if these states pass the law, then it's over for the NFL because yeah, he can smoke it, you can test him, but so what? <laughs> it, it, it's legal, but it, it, if it can be legal outside the stadium, and be illegal inside the stadium when you're performing. Then they're going to they're going to cross that 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 bridge when it comes to it because if these states legalize it, you have a conflict. Okay, you got to figure it out. Well, it seems like they're because, it, it seems like they they you know whatever their contract is because some of these guys uh, take legal over the counter substances, but it, it it violates the department's I mean the the the, the, the league's banned substance uh, provision. So i'm sure they they could uh, they could still be punished uh even though it's legal in in certain states well yeah i mean you, you know they can do that but i think once they once they legalize the marijuana pop uh initiative that's change is going to change everything in all sports cuz like in the state of california if they in 6 7 days if they pass that initiative it's going to change how it affects the rest of the league, because of, because it, the four California football teams, it, if it's legal, then well, how do you deal with that? Versus other states where it's not legal. So I mean, you know, I'm waiting to see how they're going to deal with that one. Uh, I think. So do, you, do you do you do you still keep the policy even though they passed the initiative in California? Yeah, they'll they'll keep it. They'll probably for, for the, keep it on the banned substance list, just like they keep. Stuff you can buy in Rite Aid on the banned substance list. Stuff you can buy at GNC and it's on on the banned substance list. But, you know, I, I think that falls and, in there. And per, then we'll, per, the, performance. And the, the other other issue, the only issue we have is that what if they all go to the doctor and say, "Man, he has an issue. You need to use it." <laughs> so what happens then? <laughs> hey man, I got epilepsy. <laughs> hey, I start shaking at night. Hey, I got anxiety. I got the jitters. I look at some ugly person and start shaking. I need some weed. I mean, they'll come up with all kind of crazy stuff. Well, I'm, I'm allergic to Halloween. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they'll come up with all kind of stuff. Well, we'll see. I saw, I saw, I saw, I saw somebody in the alley look like a panther, and then and, and, and I had to smoke something. I mean, you know, it's, it's all kind of stuff they're going to be coming up with. Well, we'll we'll see we'll see where it leads. <laughs> that's that's for sure. <laughs> right. Let's uh, let's switch over to the uh, NCAA for a bit. Uh, your alma mater Trojans have been doing pretty well pretty well lately. Uh, what what have you seen that uh, it's kind of helped them turn the corner? Well, I think the run game is getting better. I mean, I think if they just pound the ball, the quarterback play is good. If they can get a combination of both the the quarterback, running back, and running game with pat play action, and they just pound that ball and play physical. I think they can, they can turn the season around. Now if they go up and beat, they can start beating Oregon, which I think they can do. But if they beat Washington, they change the whole outlook of the whole Pac-12. Now they can beat Washington. I believe they can beat Washington. It's going to be tough, but they can beat Washington if they if they get a sound defensive and offensive game going with their athletes. They can beat anybody in the conference. They can beat anybody in the conference. Yeah, and I've seen much improvement. And 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 you know, people who talk about they need to get rid of Clay Hilton, they're they're, they're full of it. You know, they got to give this man a chance. Let him sit there. Give him give him three solid years. Let him build a program. Let him build the recruiting. 
You know, because kids will not go to schools if you keep changing coaches. So they got to stick with this man and let him be an anchor coach for a while and let him build his pedigree of athletes and assistants. And, you know, and see what goes right there. It's just unfair to say, oh, you know, oh, I don't think he's right first. Well, how do you know? Right. The young until you find out. You know, it, it still took Jim Harper to go to, 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 to Michigan and turn around for two years. He turned around the second year. Urban Myers turned around Ohio State. So you got to give this guy some time to, you know, uh, to turn it around. You got to remember, you know, FC's an envious program. I mean, they're a program that everybody still wants to beat, even though they're not in the top 25. Right. Everybody still wants to beat the shorts off of USC. You know, traditionally it's considered one of, I guess, one of the top five programs of all time. You know, so uh, it is what it is. Give the man time. He's got my backing. You know, here here it is. Listen, we're going to start at the, 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 the South, Pac-12 South. Uh, SC, they're they're four and two in conference, five and three overall. Uh, not not a bad not a bad not a bad uh, record there. Um, you know some of the surprises I think in, in the Pac-12, UCLA one and four in conference, three and five overall. Uh, what are you seeing with UCLA, and, and what what do you think of their struggles or what they're struggling with? UCLA number one, their quarterback is out now. Uh, I think recruiting is down a little bit there. They simply just have a lack of talent. I mean, they got some talented kids. Don't get me wrong. I'm not going to question what's going on. I think Jim Moore just lost his key player. Yeah. I mean, Rosen's probably out for the year. And, uh, and they just need to build a, a system there to uh, combat with the recruiting of USC and the Stanford's and the, the Washington's of the world. Uh, other than that, I mean, they're going to still be uh, struggling at the bottom. And, and this is very clear this year based on how, they, how it's played. And when you lose key players, if you lose your quarterback, which you put so much emphasis on, well, you're going to have a tough time. Exactly. Colorado is leading the, the South. They're 4-1, and 6-2 and two overall. Uh, likes and dislikes about them? Colorado is a solid program. I mean, uh, uh, I to have a guy coming in tomorrow just to meet with me on and some business went to Colorado. He's He's tickled pink, and uh, and 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 I told him I said Colorado is a uh, Colorado is a is a good program, but like I said, the Pac-12 South is uh, up for grabs. Even with Colorado leading, but any that can change any minute. That can change any minute. The North. You know, so the the North. Well, the is North. The, 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 well, the North is just. It's, it's Washington. Well, it's Washington's to lose. Washington and Washington State are both five and zero in conference, and Washington's eight and zero overall. They 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 snuck they snuck one by I think last week, and uh, but uh, they're they're a solid program, huh? Absolutely. Well, you know, it's the two teams of the Washington State and Washington. So, the, the, but, but the North is di- dictated by both those Washington schools. See, those schools in the north, but the Pac, the Pac-12 South is just is anybody's thing. But up north is those two schools that dominate. Yeah. And then also, and only one, and, and as you look at the way this crazy system set up with the playoff situation, and you know, and the only reason, only only nationally recognition and respect that, that, that the Pac-12 gets is what Washington's doing because they're in the top ten. Yes. You see, so th- that's the focus of of what the respectability of the Pac-12 is Washington. No one else. It's just a, it's like a PTA grab bag with everybody else. 
nationally the one that's recognized is Washington based on how the system's set up. Do they get in the playoffs? It depends on what happens with the rest of the teams in the rest of the country. If they're in the top five, they have a shot at the playoffs. But see that that that's it. And they struggled with Utah, so I don't know I don't know what what, what the rankings came out with uh, yesterday, but I don't know what they said. I think there's six or seven somewhere in the country. I'm not sure. You probably know that they're, better than I do. They're number five on. Uh, let's see. I don't know what the CF uh, college CFP poll. They're number five on the AP poll. They're number four, and then the USA. I don't know why I have so many damn polls on the USA Today poll. They are number four. So. Well, we'll see. They're right there for the striking. So. Just like I said, it, 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 their rankings is based the, the national recognition is because of where they are. I mean, that's what everybody, that's what people are looking at nationally. But everybody else in, 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 in traditional powerhouses, they're not even in the top twenty anymore. Stanford and SC are not in the top twenty. Well, Stanford's three and three in conference, man. And I mean, what, what is going on? I mean, these guys were they, well, they led just, the conference it, last it, year. Well, McCaffrey's injured. They got a lot of replacements. And you know, and it just happens. I mean, they lost a lot of ball players, but they, they have a strong, they have a strong, uh, they have a strong uh, system in what they're trying to do. But they just they don't have the players to implement what they're trying to do. Maybe it's because of immaturity or whatever, or, or you just got to wait to another year and see how they develop. Now, I believe if those athletes were in the S, if those athletes, if SC athletes were in their system, they probably they could be leading uh, the conference. Maybe who knows? You know, the Northern Division. It, uh, you know, we talk about these different programs, um, and 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 you know what what goes along with with coaching these uh, coaching these programs, and and what people expect, and you know you look at some of these, like you said, some of these powerhouses that aren't aren't in there, not aren't in the mix this year, and I'm looking at uh, I watched Texas play the other day, and they won. Uh, I forgot who they played, but you know there's talk of Charlie Strong uh, losing his they job. Played good. They played Baylor, and uh, I don't know the situation in Texas, but Charlie Strong, I think fundamentally he's a good coach, but I, I can't figure, I can't put my thumbs on Texas and what goes on. I see a, I see a bunch of thoroughbreds on the field, but for some reason it's, it's not directed properly. I don't know. Yeah. They, you know what I mean? So, uh, but, 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 but see, you know, that's the reason why you need a full-fledged playoff system because you never know what's going to happen. You just don't never, you never know. I mean, you know, you got these people picking these teams, a human thing, and just what blew everybody's mind is how Penn State beat Ohio State. Yeah. If you'd have told me six months ago that Penn State was beating Ohio State, I said, I need something to smoke. <laughs> Hook up, get hooked up with Josh Huff. <laughs> right, and you got, and you, got Bay, you got Baylor struggling with Texas and then get beat by Texas. I mean, that's what I'm, you know, that's my point. Right. You see, and, 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 and you just never. And what's exciting though is that you never know, and that's the reason why they need a full fledged for full fledged playoff system. Yeah, you can hype it all you want. You can put any coach in America; they'll agree with me, but they won't say it because they're not being politically correct. But I mean, the Texas game, Baylor, that blew everybody's mind. I mean, no one expected them to struggle with Texas. Right. So you know, and everybody's going, Charlie Strong should have played like that all the rest of the year. Well, you can't put a thumb on why they're not playing consistently. Who knows? I mean, who knows? And then just like you said about Stanford in the Pac-12, nobody expected them to beat because I told you they were the team that beat in the Pac-12. Yeah. And, you know, and then when McCaffrey went down and then then Washington got their number, they got exposed. 
And they know how to defense McCaffrey. But now he's hurt. It's, it's, I know, I know that, uh, you know, a lot of individual players play an integral part uh, in a team's success. But it's still a little amazing how one player, uh, one key player, uh, can really uh, cause uh, cause a lot of issues, and and, and you look at, and I know I know what you say because you talk about him all the time. You look at the four games that Brady was out, and the Patriots didn't miss a beat. And uh, you, you see other teams, whether it's pro or collegiate level, one guy goes down, and it kind of throws off the whole program. Well, that that's the genius of Belichick and the Patriots. That's why I always said. That's why I refer back to him. Because they've been there for 13 years in the National Football League. They've been to six Super Bowls, one four, and they've been knocking on the door all the years they've been in the league with Brady. Yeah. So, I mean, the man has the knack to put people in, and make them flourish when something goes down. That's the genius of, the, of, of, of Belichick and the Patriots. That's why I talk the way I do. And the next team after that, I've always said, was, was Pete Carroll. And now you see what's missing with the, with, 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 with the Seahawks. This, when, you, when Marshall Lynch retired, then, you, then everybody realized how good Marshall was in that system with, with Russell Wilson. Yeah, They're still trying to find that missing link now because Marshall was a beast. Yeah, they, and, defensive court, and defensive coordinators defense him totally different. Well, now they don't defense, uh, they don't defense uh, the Seahawks like they used to. Right. They don't have the respect for their run game. But Belichick, everybody, he keeps people on their, on their heels because you never know what he's going to throw at you. When uh, when I was a kid, uh, when people would talk about coaches, you know, they would talk about Landry, and, of course, they talk about Lombardi and uh, uh, the coach for the, uh, the Browns. Uh, escapes him right now. But uh, I guess Belichick, he, he's right up there in what, the top top five, top top ten of all time. You think? Absolutely, top five. Yeah, top five. I mean, some people are talking about top one or two. Yeah. You know, for just for his run and the way he's played consistent ball in the organization. I mean, if they go to another Super Bowl this year and win it, he's going to be best of all time. It's, and it's, a lot of people think he's that already now, anyway. <laughs> well, we do. Uh, you know, the, the, when you're that, when you're when you're consistently uh, uh, you're knocking at the door, I mean, it's hard to take it away from you, right? Right, yeah. right. Yeah. And then you know, when you see the ones that they miss up, that one or two or three plays went one way or other, they'd have won one more. Right. That's that's how people analyze him. We we talk about uh, the full pledged collegiate playoff. Uh, they, they talk they, they they have some kind of a playoff system that they're uh, something something's supposed to change. I heard a little bit about the other day that something's supposed to change next year with the with the playoff system. Uh, do you know anything about that? And is that the kind of playoff system you're you're looking you're you're talking about? No, dude, I'm talking about full fledged. All the major conferences, see them up. All the conferences. See them up. Start playing them after the last game of the season, and, 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 and run through the run through the, the bowl games. And then what comes out of the bowl games? You have the playoffs, the the, the national championship game. Yeah. But you start playing the playoffs right after the season's over. 
you know, to, to, to see them up, the, the, the winner of the Pac-12 plays winner of the, of the Big Ten. I mean, you know, whatever it is, however you do it, and do it on record. That's how you do it, simple. Yeah, that's all they need to do. Yeah. You know, you can have your rankings been in the year, but still, you know, at the end of the year that you can rank the teams. Right. You don't need you you don't need you know just you know the Pac-12 plays this conference and the Pac-12 plays the SEC and 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 uh, you know and then the, you know the SEC have played the Big East whatever whatever whoever the championship team is you know U.S. the conference USA whatever whoever the winner is you seed them up all the way just, just basically just like uh like basketball like collegiate basketball and collegiate baseball right, right? yeah I, I, absolutely you, you, you we, we hope it gets to that i i, I don't know that it, they're going to get there anytime soon but it, it makes total sense it takes a lot of the guesswork out of it, it takes a lot of the the cronyism out of it and you you get to you get to actually see the best teams right. play playing a big game you watch you watch there's going to be one year they're going to have seven teams in the top 10 with one one loss okay how do you do that then you gotta have the human. Then you have to have the human element vote whoever they want, and that's where the cronyism comes in. That could happen. You can have tie in the top ten. You can have seven teams with one loss, and then you can have in the bottom. You can have one with no losses. So how do you deal with that? Right. Trajectory. Well, you know they didn't play anybody strong, and blah 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 blah. blah. Well, they only give him Sunday, Saturday, or Sunday. Somebody can beat you. It's the human element, yep. and, that, and that's what sports all about. And, and they tend to forget that that's what sports about. Well, we we hope that there will be, <laughs> be some changes, <laughs> and uh, so we can get some definitive uh, we can get some definitive uh, uh, answers out here and, and see what see what right. see what happens, and, and, and you know take the question out of it because every year you know every year somebody's ranked number one and there's somebody else saying, well, we were better than you guys and we beat you and we beat you in conference and we didn't have a chance to play you any any playoff games and and uh, it leaves a little uh, a little gray area there to be nudged around. Right. You for example, you take Washington State. Washington State wins the whole Pac-12. Just for example, well. Do they get a shot at playing playing the Big Ten championship of the Big Ten, or is it because well they didn't play nobody and there was a fluke game they beat Washington? Right. Well, that can happen. You see, so the champion, whoever the champion is in the whole Pac-12, to be the champion of whoever's in the in the SEC. That could be anybody. That's how it should be. And with the playoff yeah, system, you, you eliminate some. I, I was listening to a game the other day, uh, the Baylor game. And one of the announcers was saying, uh, "Well, we don't know if they're going to make the playoffs because of their issues, uh, the issues with the uh, the investigation from the NCAA on, on something that had to do with past players on the team or something like that." Well, um, that's not has nothing to do with how they're playing the game right now. I, you know, if, if they if they got some kind of criminal activity, uh, I think it was some kind of domestic thing or uh, uh, harass sexual harassment or something like that. Um, which has to be dealt with. I'm not. I'm not denying that. But uh, you know, the, now you have the human element involved, picking a picking a team or not picking a team because they think that uh, uh, you know people may have gotten away with something. I, I think if, if you sell it on the field, then we don't have any question about it. Sell it on the field for all of that. Do your own investigation if you want to do that. Yeah. Don't jeopardize the rest of the school and, and ball players because one or two individuals. You've gone before and you deal with that on another separate issue. I don't understand these people. 
just you know, just deal with that certainly. Don't penalize the whole school. You can't monitor these individuals when they have bad habits and they do bad things. Report judgment. You're breaking so up. I don't get it. You're breaking up a little bit there. Well, I don't know. Yeah. Maybe you hear me now? Yeah, that's better. Right. Yeah, so yeah, well, hopefully we'll see some changes. Uh, I was going to ask you about the World Series, but it's still going on, and it looks like it's the top of the 10th, uh, two outs. The uh, Cubs are up 8-6. to six. Um, you, you... Well, maybe I need to, well, maybe I need to go finish watching it. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, we're going to give you that opportunity. Tell everybody where they can find you and, and where they can uh, meet the great AD and get, a, and get an autograph and all that kind of good stuff. Well, they need to come down to the Chavez Bowl every Saturday. I'd be home in a weekend for USC. I'm going to sign autographs and jerseys and photos and have my Notre Dame trophy on uh, on display for them to take pictures of with it. And uh, they come down, look in, talk to me about my book, Kickoff Concussion. And I'm there available to talk and talk to all the fans and talk football and talk whatever you want to talk about. And uh, what, SC's playing who this week? They're playing uh, Duck Soup. The all, right. all right. AD, as always, man, thanks for joining us, and uh, we, we hope to try it with you again real soon, brother. Okay, thank you. Take care. You too. The great Anthony Davis, everybody, and uh, we want to thank him for joining us on, on Swoops World. Always uh, always interesting to have a chance to talk to him about what's going on in the world of sports, and uh, that's going to wrap it for us today. We want to thank Andrew Peterson for joining us tonight. Uh, pick up his book, his, his newest book, Right to Kill, and you can find it on Amazon. Dot com and probably uh, uh, as well as audible.com and uh, let me tell you um, I, uh, reading it is uh, and you're holding it in your hand and reading it is outstanding but if you're an audible book uh, listener uh, you don't get any better than Dick Hill as a as a reader so you're, you're in good you're good you're good hands no matter which way you go with this one uh, but definitely pick that up and check him out you can find him on Facebook and go to his website andrewpeterson.com Anthony Davis will be at Tavern Bowl, and uh, I believe that's Costa Mesa uh, this weekend uh, for the USC game. You go down there and check him out, and uh, and see and get to meet AD and uh, sign an autograph and good stuff for you. And once again, our good friend Raspin Stewart will be playing at Viento Iagua on November uh, 12th at 8 p.m. So if you get a chance to do that, go see that. I want to thank everybody for tuning in. As we always say, dream as if you'd live forever, live as if you'll die today. Good night, all. Today's podcast is brought to you. The views and opinions expressed by the individual hosts and their guests do not necessarily reflect those of Talk Story Radio, its affiliates, or sponsors.